I'm going to go there and make more friends, but I can only make friends with people that hate Doctor Who. That can't be too hard. No. <laughs> Just walk into any pub. Who likes Doctor Who? Oh, <laughs> perfect. Everybody into my fucking TARDIS. <laughs> my stinking TARDIS. <laughs> full of biscuits. Doctor, doctor. Hello and welcome to I Hate Doctor Who. Uh, I am your host, Richie Morgan. Um, and we are a show for folk who hate and love Doctor Who alike, I guess. So, uh, for those of you that, that are new to the podcast, um, I Hate Doctor Who, uh, funnily enough, is a show presented by a man who loves Doctor Who. But what I do is I like to take my friends who dislike Doctor Who. I have many of them. And um, I get them on and I ask them what they like and then I try and find the episode that they might like because there's hundreds and hundreds of Doctor Who. So I'm essentially just doing that arrogant thing that happens when um, someone says they don't like something and you just go, no, you just haven't watched it enough. So um, for today's experiment, I have Mr. Owen O'Donnell. Hello. Hi, hi Owen, how you doing? How's it going? It's grand, it's grand. Uh. <laughs> uh, I've dragged him on, because that's pretty much what I have to do in this particular show, uh, because the people I bring on dislike Doctor Who. It's true, and uh, Gav went away quite positive after the last episode, would you say? Yeah. All um, that talk Gav, of watching more? Gav, uh, Gesh Gav of the wonderful Gesh cast, um, uh, I made him watch Robots to Death. I've been speaking to him since that recording, <laughs> and uh, he just he just lied about. Right? Uh, was he just being polite? I bet there's a lot. Of no, being... he was probably being honest at the time, but he's thought about it again since. And he's like fucking Doctor Who, man. He's just trying to maintain his cool image. Is Doctor Who not cool? I wouldn't have thought so. <laughs> Maybe it isn't, I don't know. You're supposed to be selling it to me. <laughs> it's like, oh, not cool, I'm out. Cool. Are we talking like street cred cool or... Yeah, I mean, when I go down to the corners <laughs> with all my uh, violent friends, <laughs> do I want to say I've been watching Doctor Who? No, you don't. What if they're all secretly into it and it gets them off the drugs? Um, Just took one person to be brave enough to say. Never be able to admit it to each other. Cool aliens. Well, what would you call me? An alien. So, um, Owen, you you don't like Doctor Who, do you? It's true. I don't like Doctor Who. But it's a very specific kind of dislike. It's not just the... Like, I don't see an ad for it and go, oh, fuck, I fucking hate Doctor Who. It's more of a disappointed parent. Right. Because I do like Doctor Who stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, TARDIS, uh, Daleks, the idea of the yeah. Doctor and, like, travelling through space and time and having adventures. It sounds great. So I always give it a chance when it comes on, this would have only been New Who, of course. Mm-hmm. I'm unfortunately not 120 years of age. <laughs> but it's always like I go in wanting to enjoy it. And the first 10 minutes, it sets up some quirky idea. Mm-hmm. I say, like, oh, that's quite fun. 
And then by the middle, everyone's running around. I've kind of not quite kept up with what they're saying. And then by the end, they're solving the problem with something incomprehensible that I don't actually <laughs> understand. And I'm just sick of it. A lot of shouting. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so your experience is mostly new doctor is only really new doctor mostly new but at the same time if you were to ask me any questions about (laughs) what i'd watched it's just all gone because that's another problem it just seems to turn into this sort of hazy (laughs) twee mess (laughs) in the back of my mind i guess the the interesting thing about doing this podcast and i mean the thing that inspired it was the fact that you know everybody around me seems to dislike it but um if it wasn't for new Doctor Who, there wouldn't even be any active hate. It would just be, what? I like. Oh, I've been watching Doctor Who. All right. <laughs> Why? I don't know. So, just... are you saying Russell T Davies has a lot to answer for? <laughs> Did Russell T Davies ruin Doctor Who? No. What an exclusive break! There's absolutely no way that you're going to get me to, <laughs> to admit that. that. <laughs> I, was, I was very close to saying admit that. Just shut up, shut up, shut up, shut it up, up, up. So the, yeah, I mean, I, I guess a big part of I hate Doctor Who is uh, is just getting people on that have seen the new ones and like it's rubbish, and then I make them watch an old one and go, it used, to, you know, used to be, used to be really good. Um, but I, you know, I love it anyway. Uh, so yeah, your experience of Doctor Who is new Doctor Who. What do you? I mean, before this, what was your impression of classic Doctor Who? I think the only time I was aware of all that, like, it's one of those things that is just Mm. so in culture. But being from Ireland, it was maybe a little less because, like, we don't have, like, oh, this is this great British thing, Mm -hmm. you know. Uh, We, but we buy Doctor Who merchandise and smash it in the streets (laughs) to show opposition to the crown. but I was just aware that there was this old thing and, you know, like the Tom Baker look. Yeah, yeah, Like yeah. if someone showed up with the silly hat and the scarf, I'd know, oh, that's uh, yeah, Doctor yeah. Who and you kind of know what a Dalek is. And uh, all I'd ever seen of it was one time when Room 101 played an old clip of it to make fun of it. Right. Because the old effects were bad. So I just had this impression that old Doctor Who was this thing that looked really rubbish. <laughs> yeah, that Which, was the... <laughs> that was Sometimes. always the, the that's the way that parents always explained it to you as well when you were young oh it was a thing that was on it was a bit rubbish but we all enjoyed it and then you grow up and you're like you were wrong <laughs> <laughs> you know I mentioned that I would be doing this podcast to my parents to ask them was Doctor Who on back when you were younger and what would being 70s kids and uh my dad didn't have it because he was from the countryside and there was mm-hmm. just the two Irish stations, or the one Irish station, and there was no Doctor Who. But my mum did have it and did see some John Pertwee. 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 I said, and thought he was scary. Right. Thought he was a bit creepy. And she also said she was afraid of the dialects. That's, the dialects <laughs> is one. Dialects and Daleks. Daleks is the other. <laughs> Look out. They're firing the Dalek beam. 
but yeah, I, I had a good laugh on dialects and then said, nah, the, the Daleks. My dad actually said, no, it's Daleks. <laughs> and then my mom said, oh, dialects. Like <laughs> instantly, <laughs> right back. So I think she actually was just saying, I, I hate the, the Brits. <laughs> All right, Which is fair enough, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I suppose. Would you care for some tea? That would be very nice, thank you. So when I contacted you about doing this, the way that I do this is that um, I ask uh, every person that comes on, I ask them some, I send them a little questionnaire, and I sent you a wee questionnaire. Now, it kind of made a bit of sense with Gav, and then as I uh, then when I sent your questionnaire out and got the answers back, and then tried to figure it out, it was a bit like. This format doesn't work. <laughs> a little bit. Because I was just like, I might just show them a good episode. But there are, I, I've got some links. I've got some links. So um, Sausage links. <laughs> Try to stay focused, Richie, for God's sake. The first thing I asked you was uh, your top, top five films. Um, and you responded with uh, Jurassic Park, Fargo, The Iron Giant, Mars Attacks, and Doctor Strangelove. Yes, so I'd forgotten list. those were my choices, aside from the first two. It's very. I mean, after two or three, what do you say? Well, then you suddenly think of a hundred. Yeah, where, I guess it is difficult. It's funny we were talking about this with Gav, and he said that he was having trouble because he was like, "Should it?" Because Gav likes things that are a bit, bit just a bit rubbish. <laughs> I didn't want to say that, but you know, like a bit out there, maybe. Well, not he's not listening now. He no, fucking hates Doctor Who. So say what you want. Um, not, yeah, you know, so. But I was happy because he picked what was true to him, and I think you've done that here. I um, do love Jurassic Park so much. That's that's completely understandable. <laughs> um, top five TV shows: The X Files, Futurama, Mobile Suit Gundam, Evangelion, and The Wire. Now I need to explain. When I put in the wire, I felt like, oh, that's so fucking wanky. <laughs> Putting in like, oh, I'm mad clever, and I like shows with themes, but. Listener, please don't judge me too harshly because I put two animes in that list. I needed <laughs> to needed claw back some self-respect from like real people. It's fine for you to say that, though. I mean, it is but good. It, like I put it in, and I realized, well, it is true that I think the wire is just fucking incredible. So I'll just leave it. Fuck you. <laughs> um, I've asked you a question that's probably completely irrelevant to. Oh, by all means. Almost. No, well, maybe not relevant to the choice, but uh, Aliens are Mad Scientists. You've said Mad Scientists. Love my Frankenstein. Uh, Synths or Orchestra. You've said Orchestra. Synths seems like the cool answer, but if I'm honest. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I want them strings. Um, I asked, is there a doctor you like? (laughs) (laughs) Did you ask me that? I did, and your response was, I hate Doctor (laughs) (laughs) Who. I'm funny. <laughs> um, and and I've, I, I didn't ask Gav this, but I thought it was quite a good question. Uh, so I said, if you were a doctor, what would your costume be? And you've responded, no bow ties, dicky bows, or fuzzy dice. There's no doctor with a fuzzy dice. Maybe Ugg boots, skinny jeans, fake fur, big coat, sort of like Richard O'Brien. The f- big fur coat would be very second doctor. Um, sort of like Richard O'Brien, since you have to look a bit of a wanker. Alternatively, Eddie from Bottom. Eddie from Bottom would be a good Doctor Lee. <laughs> Although Eddie from Bottom look, looks more like like one of the 
like someone who's probably going to be killed in a 70s doctor <laughs> <laughs> or an a very intelligent scientist or a very intelligent scientist <laughs> who gets killed but yeah i was thinking like when i started writing the essay i was like should i put something that i i really do think is cool and then realize like no you would you do kind of have to look like a bit of a dick don't you to be the yeah. doctor and to stand yeah, there Mad. I do remember when Christopher Although Eccleston... the latest, like the long coat, what's the... Pure Capaldi. Capaldi's look seems quite, like, genuinely, oh, huh? yeah. it's pretty cool. It's got, yeah, it is pretty cool. Um, I think uh, Pure Capaldi's look kind of evokes a wee bit of the... The uh, really the third, good film? The Third Doctor. Oh, the really good film. No, you mean the <laughs> Paul McGann one? Um, no. <laughs> uh yeah, no, I mean, like, um, I think I remember speaking to someone about Christopher Eccleston's look when that was happening, when he was the ninth, when it came back, and uh, they were saying it's not, he's not outrageous enough, but then someone explains to you why he's just a leather jacket and a t-shirt, and it's because he's war, he's just come out of a big war and he's very understated and a bit grumpy and he just wants to sort of disappear. Which is like the opposite of like fucking jumpers covered in question marks, or <laughs> and it's great. And you're just like when someone explains it to you, you're like, yeah. What if sense. what if the doctor came back with the Jim Carrey Batman Forever <laughs> morph suit covered in question marks? No, <laughs> I've never made that connection before. That's terrifying. And then of course after Christopher Eccleston, there along came David Tennant looking like a big. Firefly fan or something. Um, Two birds at one stone there. <laughs> it's so, a niche podcast. Are you going to put the boot into every possible listener then? <laughs> no, you're right. They should fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> the luck you gave me there was really... No, no. <laughs> Eyes away. He's burst the capsule in his tooth. <laughs> He's getting out before the Firefly fans show <laughs> It's funny, actually, the the um, the reaction to the last episode, and it's probably just first episode madness, but um, there was quite a lot of people who just listened to it because they wanted to. There was, I mean, I got a nice uh, intake of Doctor Who fans as well, but there were some people that also hate Doctor Who. On the subject of Doctor Who's style, mm-hmm. if you go online to discuss Doctor Who with others, now I haven't done that, yeah, but. I have a sus- suspicion. I kind of don't do that much either. But sorry, Karen. I have a suspicion that there is a lot of call for a steampunk Doctor. Oh who. Jesus! Am I? Is that? I don't. I don't know. But like, I just know you're. <laughs> I know you're right. I mean, prejudice is so often just correct. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, I, I can just see it. Like, oh, the TARDIS should be full of fucking cogs, man. Which probably would be kind of cool. <laughs> Don't do this. <laughs> and he should have a big blunderbuss <laughs> and a hunter's cap. And he's always walking about with a big pair of stripy trousers and a giant spanner. And just pick up an assistant from the Victorian era. So he's got that big bell dress. So it's funny, like, you mentioned that there was a point when uh, obviously Peter Capaldi's first episode was set Victorian um, but it was just obviously. at that point that everybody was going can we stop with the Victorian episodes please 
Um, so I guess there was a little bit, it was kind of bleeding into it a wee bit. And then, of course, his first episode had the big mechanical men. So it was oh. actually, so I'm, I'm very sorry to inform you that it's already <laughs> it's happened. happened. They won. <laughs> the steampunk wars are over. <laughs> What you actually want is a big cyber goth doctor. (laughs) Yes, I I do want that. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Not like that X Files where fucking. She is just called cyber goth, isn't she? The one with the cyber goth. The hacker. Is that the one where they play the game? No. There's like one hacking into satellites. Oh, Jesus. Cyber goth. I bet you enjoyed it. Oh yeah! Oh, the, the fucking the talk in it is shocking. I uh, see. I wish I'd known about all this. Maybe I could have found a slightly more cyber goth. <laughs> no. I don't know that there wasn't many cyber goths in the seventies. Oh, imagine being like on the frontier. Mm. <laughs> the, the, who was the first cyber goth? No idea. Like I'm going to bridge that gap <laughs> between <laughs> the virtual plane and. My black heart. <laughs> we'll catch up in Owen's History of Cybergoths podcast. <laughs> uh, coming soon. Um, okay, so... Uh, yeah, so I... I, um, I gave you all those questions. And I decided that uh, the episode for you was uh, the third Doctor story, The Green Death. Audio clip. Giant maggots. No, no, no. Doctor, it's exactly your cup of tea. This fella's bright green, apparently, and dead. It's time that the world awoke to the alarm bell of pollution. Giant maggots, indeed. Devilish creatures spawned by the filthy byproducts of your technology. What kind of insects are they going to turn into? Do you read me? Hello? Hello? Joe, you there? That mine must not be investigated. Not a chance, Brigadier. It's armor plating. Brigadier, I advise you to be careful. Onto the RAF. Very careful indeed. They'll be flying a low level strike in just seven minutes. Are you threatening me, Mr. Stevens? Yes, I think perhaps I am. In ten minutes' time, there'll be nothing left alive in that whole area. Doesn't he realize the bombing will never stop those maggots? Right, Bender, stand by. You must stop him. Five, four. I can't. You must fire! Yeah, Green Death. Uh, the first thing I want to do before we take this any further, um, just to give their opinion on my decision, I'm going to hand it over to those wonderful boys from On the Timeline. They're doing the Green Death, so I should probably do like a boss style voice. Stevens! <laughs> Richie! <laughs> hello, hello Richie, hello Owen. Uh, it's uh, it's Mark and Ben from On The Time last year. There's lovely. Was that Welsh accent? I don't know. I don't know. I don't it, no. <laughs> I don't think it was. That's enough. We'll, we'll see you next time. Uh, no, so, um, so Ben, Ben, I mean obviously you've already guessed the story that um, Richie's chosen for Owen, but... Shall I give you Owen's um, favourite films, favourite TV shows, and you can see if you can understand why Richie's chosen The Green Death? Okay. So his favourite films uh, include uh, Jurassic Park. Yep. And favourite TV shows include The X-Files and The Wire. Can you see any connections there? I can't, mate. 
I can't. You chose the Green Death. Chose the Green Death. What is happening? Jurassic Park. Okay, so there's a lot of science gone wrong, or or science. The X Files, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. I think or, also or science abused by some agency. Indeed. Okay. But I mean, I think also you know Jurassic Park epoch shifting um, blockbuster cinema. You yeah. know, it's moved from. Sort of a mix of model work and an impressive, realistic CGI. Yeah. Um, so he's paired that up with a paper, a paper mache fly, and a condom with a fox jaw attached to it. <laughs> now I love the Green Death. Yeah, the Green Death I, is great. But um, don't hold that up as an example of. Yeah. You know. I'm interested to hear Owen's thoughts on it. The, mo- um, the, 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 the most brilliant parts of the Green Death are the. The touching, warm human elements of it, mm. uh, but there's fifty percent of it which is also just fucking crazy special effects. <laughs> yeah. It's just absolutely crazy. But I think I think one of the other reasons that maybe Richie's chosen this, if The Wire is one of your favourite TV shows, mm-hmm. and why not? Because it's fucking excellent. Um, is that obviously it's it's social commentary? It's you know it's a it's a drama series about a. A city and the, the sort of the war on drugs and the futility of the war on drugs. It's social commentary in, in television drama, and you know, nineteen seventies Doctor Who under Barry Letts. That's what it was all about. He was trying to do Doctor Who stories that would comment on the society in which it existed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, the Green Death, social commentary stuffed inside a condom with a fox's jaw attached to the front of it. Okay, thanks for that, uh, Ben and Mark. Um, that was quite annoying. <laughs> it was annoying in the first one and I thought oh they'll tone it down this time but fuck they've got a whole show like that yeah best of luck to them that's all I can say listen they're good boys <laughs> I'm only joking I'm, I, I didn't hear the clip <laughs> he edits it in later so I know. We they could have the they could have talked for five minutes about how much they like me <laughs> Christ imagine that no, no, no. But Doctor, it's exactly your cup of tea. This fellow's bright green, apparently, and dead. Lethbridge Stewart, I'm not a policeman. Neither are you, for that matter. Ah, but there are international implications, you see. Possibility of sabotage of global chemicals. It's unit's duty to protect them. My duty. Then do your duty, Brigadier. But there was a couple of links. There was a couple of very tenuous links. One, you mentioned the X-Files. So you love the X-Files, right? And now, at that period... Um, so the third Doctor, his storyline kicks off with him being isolate, um, exiled by the Time Lords on Earth for stealing the TARDIS, buggering off and messing about with stuff. Um, so they leave him in 1970s Earth and he has to get a job with UNIT, the military boys. And um, essentially what he ends up doing is a sort of weird British proto-X-Files where he goes out to the home counties and investigates some weird goings-on and then usually gets pulled into some mad alien either alien invasions or mad scientists um so you mentioned things like mars attacks fargo um futurama and you know they they have a sort of a a, a sci-fi storyline but they can be quite Mm. mad and ridiculous and I think actually that period of Doctor Who is very particularly just doesn't take itself too seriously and is a, throws in a lot of mad stuff like giant maggots and I just kind of just thought okay this will be this will be the perfect one so was the TARDIS not 
being not able to do anything? Could he even travel in it? He used to sort of nip into it every so often like it was his garden shed, but it couldn't move. Because right. one thing that threw me at the start was I always was expecting it to be TARDIS shows up somewhere, yeah, something happens. That is usually what but happens. the thing, I, all the stuff with Unit, mm-hmm. I had no idea what was going on. So for the first 10 minutes or so, I was a bit on the back foot because it felt like I'd come into a story. I did realise that as I, as I started to watch it myself. I, wa- I, was wa- I watched it after I chose it for you and there was a few things in there. I was like, oh, Jesus, this is uh, kind of throwing them in at the deep end. <laughs> but, um, I'm, I mean, I'm sure you picked it up anyway. But, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, at this point, um, after the 10th anniversary episode, he helped out the Time Lords and the Time Lords gave him his, the bit of the TARDIS that he needs to uh, go exploring again, so there's that, and then obviously we just they just don't use it. <laughs> so was uh, was this idea of him being stuck on Earth and having to take the motor around mm-hmm. to investigate X Files? Was that a budget thing at the time? Like, was no, that a sort I, of I attempt to scale no, back? I think it was. Uh, I mean, the show had been going. There's an aircon system in the room. Sorry. Um, I, no, I'd, like it's not it's not a budget thing at all because it allows them to do sort of more location filming and stuff like that. But um, no, I think it's literally just them trying to sort of progress the story. So because um, obviously, like I said, it'd been running for nearly ten ten years, and then you know they shook it up a bit when when John Pertwee's when the Third Doctor starts, it's Doctor Who's in color. They've got this cast, they've got all these characters recurring characters, I always look back on that period quite fondly but um, and most people do, but I re- like, well, I remember speaking to someone, I used to work for a guy who lo- loved Doctor Who when he was a kid and um, I mentioned the third Doctor to him and he got really angry <laughs> and he was like, oh, fucking <laughs> well, I can't remember how he described him but he, he basically just said with his He's working for the fucking army and he's driving about in a fucking clown car. What the fuck was that about? Sorry about the language. But it sort of made <laughs> Did me... Did he say that? The, or? No. <laughs> it made me realise that as a viewer watching at the time, it's like you've been watching for, say, eight, seven... I can't remember, seven-odd years and the Doctor's been going anywhere. Anywhere, yeah, anytime. And then suddenly he's like, I'm in the 70s, I've got a job and I've got a car. And you would just be like, what? I'm stacking shells. <laughs> Um, so his his uh, wacky car mm-hmm. that Bessie. is because it's called, Bessie. Hmm? it's called Bessie. Why? I don't know. Fucking hell, Richie! Come on. <laughs> How come the registration is says who? Because uh, Doctor Who is not called Doctor Who. Doctor Who. I know. I heard that. There's a weird relationship with because obviously. Maybe someone just forgot to put a question mark in the, <laughs> in the original title. Because, like, the whole idea was that he was a mysterious figure. So he was like, you know, so he was the Doctor. But yeah, then sometimes, like, in the credits, I don't even know it's the credits of these episodes, he's credited as Doctor Who. And that really, a way that really annoys me as well, Dr. Who. But there you go. Well, there's, there's his he, name. He is Doctor Who. It says it. Um, he drives a car where the ridge plate says who? Maybe he bought it off the who? The band. 
I got it. It was just <laughs> fucking shocking. <laughs> okay. No, I know. Look, I don't have an answer for you in that one. Um, and that could just be me being a bad fan. There maybe has a good explanation as to why. The reg plate mm-hmm. should have just been a question mark. I don't know whether to feel flattered or insulted. Firing into the green death, you were a bit confused as to what was going on. I totally, like, I totally take that, take, taken, I took that for granted, actually. Like, even just things like, the only thing that you know is the doctor, and the doctor has a companion, and suddenly, like, there's the brigadier, and mm. there's other members of the unit, and, but you, you, I mean, I guess you picked it up very quickly. Yeah. I mean, some also, small things other, still I don't really... The other uh, thing as well is the planet that he goes to, Metabolus 3, is like a running gag where he talks about it and that's him finally going there. So he always and wants he, to go. Can he, I say... Uh-huh. The, how do you say it? Metabolus... Metabolus. Metabolus 3. All those times it cut to the Doctor on Metabolus 3, that was genuinely fucking gas like <laughs> I couldn't believe I was actually laughing alright okay like because you expect it to be a few little gags and mm-hmm. they're going to be a bit because you know uh, it's silly old telly <laughs> but it's the fact that there's no dialogue and he's just having such a bad time and it gets worse each time and when the comedy bird legs, bird legs come flying in, I was just like, this is this is great fun. <laughs> it was as soon as I realized, okay, it really is a joke. Yeah, yeah <laughs> Because yeah. there's the initial, oh, is he really in trouble? And then it's just, now he's just having an absolute hell of a time. <laughs> and it was funny. And yeah. I wasn't expecting it to have much in the way of, like, real laughs. Okay. I guess that's kind of... Um, I never even thought about it like that, but I guess having that whole sequence at the beginning allows you to adjust your expectations so that when giant maggots get involved later, <laughs> yeah, you start... You, you're kind of... I didn't okay find the giant it. maggots as wacky as it would sort of... Like, like, even the box of the DVD kind of ups the sense of, oh, it's... It's a bit silly, mm-hmm. but it wasn't. It, I mean, it, it it felt like more or less what I would expect. Yeah. From all that there's got to be some sort of monster of some sort. And no, you're right. It's it's the it, I guess it's the sort of everything that comes with it that makes you go, oh, mm. there must be something particularly silly about this. But actually, when you look at it, you're like, giant maggots isn't the worst thing. Yeah, <laughs> and the it, show's ever done. It was, and also the fact that. The giant maggots aren't really the baddies. Yeah. Spoiler warning. <laughs> but, you know, it's the fact that they they turn out to be kind of a, a side, a side thing. Yeah. Which I thought was really interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Well, I mean, this is the thing I was saying to Gav in the last episode. Is, um, the good thing about old Doctor Who stories sometimes is that they have to have these multiple layers because they're running across quite a lot of episodes because they really were pumping them out at quite an incredible rate rather than like you know t- uh, 12 episodes a year or whatever there's, there's sometimes when it's played off really nicely you get some nice twists and turns and uh, because of that so the episode is basically set in a welsh village a welsh mi- mining town it opens with the alarm going off in the 
the mine and then you get this lovely shot of the dead miner pulling the the horn and he's got the green glow on his face and it's just a really nice little affecting effective opener and uh, again it was that sort of stuff that made me think of later on the X-Files it's sort of like here's a situation you've never been in before here's some places you've never been here's some characters you've never met and one of them's dead and it's very mysterious and then you know mm. but it's it, I, I kind of like how the beginning the doctor's not that interested <laughs> like the brigadier comes in and is like this is this is your thing this is right up your street yeah, please just fix the TARDIS let's go I know and it's Joe Grant, mm-hmm. the uh, assistant who insists, because there's uh, an ecological uh, aspect to mm-hmm. this because of global chemicals, Yeah, the factory nearby, which seems quite bold, mm-hmm. shall we say, to mm-hmm. Mother Nature. And Joe Grant thinks, we've got to get over there, help those hippies. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, the sort of, well, obviously there's a strong environmental message in it. It's not... A subtle one. The story behind it was that uh, Barry Letts, who was producing the show at the time, had just read a book about how the world was absolutely buggered. <laughs> and um, but that and was in like, the nineteen seventies. They've sorted it all out by now, I'm course, sure. So don't course. panic, listener. Uh, he was saying something like, "I think he was maybe talking to Terence Dix or something." He was saying something like, "I would, I really wish I could make a documentary or something about this." And he's like, "Well, I tell you what, instead of making a documentary." make it an episode of Doctor Who. <laughs> um, yeah, like, the fact that it's about coal miners got me thinking about one of the great advantages of doing a show like that Doctor Who that goes on for that long, mm-hmm. that rather than an episode of something being made now where they time travel to the 1970s mm-hmm. and people are talking about coal... It was a it was an actual time. like coal is an issue. Yeah, and, and it's was, it was funny. It was about to pour, it was I think it was before it was about to get a whole lot worse as well. <laughs> and uh, so, in a way, it'd be nice if Doctor Who went on forever, <laughs> so that you really do get genuine pockets of time. Yeah, isn't well, I mean, in sci-fi in general, that's one thing that I love about sci-fi is like. Uh, I think one thing that people criticize sci-fi for is when it dates, and actually, I think that's one of the best things about sci-fi mm. because it's it's a time capsule of what people thought at the time or what uh, what was relevant or you know yeah. all the best sci-fi does reflect some sort of issue that is happening at mm-hmm. the time. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it's just I mean fucking aliens, and, <laughs> you know, like which is fine. It no, can be yeah, fun, yeah. but like the stuff that's really good if it has anything to say it will be something that's relevant to then so when the national coal board were forced to close the pit last year my friends we must not be bitter we must face the facts coal is a dying industry oil is our future now and the government agrees with me they have not only given us the go-ahead for our plans they have promised us money for future expansion. I have it here in black and white. The story is that the mine's been closed down. Um, and there's a new chemical place opened up next door. And they're going to give all the miners jobs and everyone's very excited. But then um, this other these scientists that are also hippies have appeared and they're saying, oh no, they're going to be dumping toxic waste. It's going to be really bad. And Which led to one of my favourite things near the start where... 
the Professor Hippie is part of a protest group mm-hmm. and he says, like, boo! <laughs> when the bosses of Global Chemicals <laughs> outside are like, oh, you're rubbish! <laughs> and it has that thing that you only get in television or films where one of them goes, who is that man? <laughs> like, no one has ever turned and pointed out one protester and said, who is that man? Tell me more about that man. You just think, oh, fuck, let's get in before he throws an egg. Money for all of us! More jobs! More houses! More cars! More muck! More devastation! More death! Who is that? What did he say? That's that Professor Jones. He's a troublemaker. A Nobel Prize winner. Yes, go easy, sir. Gets a lot of coverage in the press. So the, the, the hippie scientist is the one that attracts the attention of Joel Grant. The brigadier is there to investigate the dead green miners. And of course, it all comes to everyone's going to the same place, and it all comes together. The interesting thing, I think, I think again, I quite like is that um, at this point, the doctor's got his TARDIS back, and he goes to the other side of the galaxy, or whatever, and comes back, and then they're like, "We need you in Wales." He jumps in his car. How long a drive is that? <laughs> London to Clanfairfach, or whatever the name of the town, um, London in the deepest Wales, and he's bloody- it's bound to be fucking chilly as well. <laughs> There's no roof on that thing. <laughs> what killed him? You're a doctor, Dr. Jones. I'm not, you know, I'm a biologist. Some sort of gas, maybe. But why is he turned green, man? I have no idea. Except... Except what? That phosphorescent glow. It's almost like you get with putrefaction. That's it, then. No, after several weeks. He's been dead less than an hour. We discover that uh, the chemical place is pumping out chemicals into the mine to get rid of them. And for some reason, it causes all of the maggots down there become really big. But they also secrete this... Horrible slime that makes everyone turn green and die. So, I do like the simplicity of the green slime. It wasn't like <laughs> you know, it has like all these mysterious properties. It's just like, oh, just don't touch that. <laughs> You'll turn green and die. Yeah, not die from anything really in particular. Just. Oh no, like you'll turn green and die. Don't touch that. I know, and of course, the all the miners like to stick their fingers in it as soon as they see it. What's that? What's that? Squish. I yeah, the, 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 the really sad one for me is this really sweet miner that takes Joe down the mine. With the big smile. Yeah, and he's so kindly and then he I dies. just want to help Joe Grant get out. <laughs> and now I've found some slime, so I'm going to eat that. <laughs> oh, I'm not feeling too well now. And now I'm, now I'm dead. And he dies. Apologies to... Wales. Well, that's the way he goes on. <laughs> um, funnily, there's a there's a um, commentary from Russell T. Davis on the DVD. I mean, I didn't watch all of it, but he was talking about how the f- the fact that obviously Wales becomes a big part of Doctor Who for modern Doctor Who because that's where it's made. But I think at the time for him, it was just like when he was a kid watching it. It's like the Doctor's in Wales. This is the best. Oh, someday I'm going to ruin this show <laughs> for making fun of Wales. <laughs> At the moment, those maggots and their eggs are situated in one place where we can observe them. Now, if you seal off that mine, we shall have no way of knowing... Please, Doctor, there is no point in going on like this. You have convinced me. Well, then you don't intend to blow up the mine. You have convinced me that you are an arrant sensation monger, a political hothead and a scientific charlatan. Giant maggots, indeed. Yeah, let's talk about uh, giant maggots for a bit. Like, as a monster... Uh, I think I quite like them, even though they're, I like sort, of, their they're sort of yeah. I like their funny little mouths as well. 
they're very they're actually very very creepy and the way that they crawl across the floor and mm. um, well when they first find the the big lot of them mm-hmm. you do think that would be quite horrible wouldn't it it would be because yeah. they have to go through because they have everything. to go through them and, and they try and use like normal sized maggots but just do them close up and it doesn't really work it's funny there's the interviews with the director on the DVD and he's kind of t- he talks about the amount of things that just don't work and he's like oh I was promised it would be like this and it wasn't very good um, and it's funny and I think that's another thing well it's the, it's the curse of all TV production really is time it's like if something doesn't work then you're fucked because it's just going to have to go in <laughs> Sometimes the problem that, that you can have with classic Doctor Who is that you're really enjoying the performances and you're enjoying the script and then a terrible monster will turn up and you're just like, what is this? I mean, not always. Not always. Just when it is bad, that's kind of the yeah, feeling. There are moments where you have to stick on the Vaseline glasses and just... You do. You do. It's you a d- really bizarre bit. Like, there's, there's very, very noticeable green screen throughout. Oh, yeah. But... There's a really just odd bit of green screen where... CSO, they call it. Colour separation overlay. When the brigadier shows up and they're going to do the bombing. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's it's they're there. They're on location. Yeah, there's a shot. And then suddenly they're it's in green the same screen. Scene. But they are still there. But yeah, they're like, they've taken a plate. I think that's literally a budget thing. It's actually It was actually cheaper for them to do it in the studio than to do it on location. Because obviously when they go out on location, they shoot it on film. And they have a crew. But no, they're on no, location. I know, I know. It's really bizarre. It is really bizarre. No, I remember thinking that as well. I was like, did they mess this up? But I really think it is just like a, a schedule and budget thing. And they could have been losing light and just well, stick a fucking the, yeah, photo on the exactly, back. Exactly, exactly. Because it was the same shot over and it was like all of a sudden he was in a studio. Of course, again, um, at that point as well, green screen was done live. Oh, do you? So you don't, like, you know, now that if we did green screen, you would shoot in front of a green screen, put it in a computer, choose the green. You know, I never even then, thought <clears> about that. Because like, you couldn't... Of course they didn't yeah, have no, a computer to you do couldn't, it um, You couldn't do... Because every, it was all videotaped, so every time you copied it, you would lose a generation. So um, live, if you if you tried to do green screen off of a pre-recorded thing, you would lose quality every time you moved it. And so it would... So they had to do it live. Like um, when I went to college and did like studio TV production and that sort of stuff, they had like an old, and it was literally a lever. <laughs> it was like they had if you had a green screen, you pushed the lever and it just got dropped all the green. So that's why green screen back then on TV has sort of harsh, and there's absolutely no way that it could ever be restored or fixed or like someone could maybe take the original shot and mm. make it a bit better because that is the original shot. There's no. It's all live. All effects and everything are done live. That's the other thing that's nuts about studio-based science fiction at the time. Is I mean, you can't you can't make people appreciate things more be- with those stories because if something's rubbish now, then it's rubbish. But I mean, as a modern viewer, you just you make allowances for uh, just things like that and just enjoy the story or the performances, which is kind of you know, which is why Doctor Who sort of endures. I think it's got some good characters and. And the doctor's always Speaking good. of good characters, mm-hmm. yes, let's, talk let's talk about, about how absolutely useless Joe Grant was. <laughs> now, there's an odd thing with Joe Grant in this story. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know Joe Grant prior to this, but like, she's the one who is like, "We should go here." Mm-hmm. Fine. That mm-hmm. works perfectly mm-hmm. well. She's reading the newspaper. She's concerned. Let's go check it out. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but then after that, like, she is not only useless. Mm-hmm. It's useless is one thing. Yeah. But she is an active burden. <laughs> yeah. Like, so much... It's just like this consistent pain in the arse who's mucking things up. And the amazing one for me is, you know, the scientist is trying to find a cure Mm -hmm. for these uh, maggot bites. Mm -hmm. And she knocks over the uh, mushroom samples all over the thing. So that scene where she first meets him, it kind of mirrors the scene where she meets first meets the doctor. Because I think he's kind of set up with his name. Sorry, um, let's refer to him by name so that people can know what we're talking about later. Um, Cliff Cliff Jones, who's played by uh, an actor called I've got it written down Stuart Bevan, played by an actor called Stuart Bevan, who was actually uh, the boyfriend of Katie oh. Manning, who played Joe Grant at the time. But yes, anyway, he was kind of set up to be a bit like the Doctor. Like a young doctor, basically, and he. Um, so it's quite interesting that, that would set off the doctor's sort of just a little bit yeah. unspoken jealousy sort of thing. No, yeah, I mean, um, uh, but I mean, from the outset, that was that's going to be Joe's last story. No one in. You are. They've meistered in the fields before breakfast tonight. Oh, I see. They're all out in the fields. Ah, that's what I said. No work, no food. Logically, aesthetically, and morally right. 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 I suppose. Well, no. Shut the blasted door! All the silly young goats. Oh, I'm sorry. What did I do? We ruined the month's work. That's all. Can't you read? Set on the door to watch it, didn't it? Yes. Half a degree drop in the well, lady. No, no, not it's there. You'll have the lot over. Not there either. You'll contaminate my spores. She knocks over the mushroom samples. All like ruins the experiment that mm-hmm. is being done to save people's lives, and uh, then he gets annoyed and says. Like, like, please just stay away from the experiment. And she gets a bit pouty about being told to stay away from the experiment, despite just perhaps uh, sending everyone to their doom. And then she's like, oh, so I suppose I'll just make the tea then, kind of huffy pants. And he's so busy, he just goes like, sure, sure. And she gets really stroppy about it. Mm -hmm. And you think... Oh, I know where this is going. She's going to prove everyone wrong because everyone's <laughs> been going, Joe, just stay out of the way. Mm-hmm. And now it's time for Joe Grant to show the boys what she's made of. So she leaves the note saying, I'm going to go catch one of those maggots live so you can experiment on it and yeah. get a cure. And off she goes and just fucks it and just gets <laughs> trapped and, gets, and then gets him fucking gets cliff bitten. injured and, <laughs> and it's like <laughs> and like, it's just the fact that it's setting up this oh she's gonna prove her worth and it's yeah. gonna be great and she's gonna go look you thought I was rubbish and now I've done it and it's like, no you, you, we thought you were rubbish and you are you were you are <laughs> rubbish and now a man is dead <laughs> Just make the tea. <laughs> Actually, no, don't. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking, she probably stick the maggot samples right in there. 
I think the only bit that she has, the only moment that she has is when she accidentally knocks the fungus onto the samples, which yeah, causes like, them to realise that... Like, the one thing she does right is, a, is just, like, a complete something over. mess of fuck up. And she knocks the, uh, some... Yeah, I mean, uh, this... The scientist, the, the scientist say, is making, is making corn. Yeah, he's, he's inventing corn, corn. Um, which mushroom? I wish I looked meats. up now, actually, because like I wonder what the hist- where at what point corn type mushroom based meat well, was. At that, that. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming it was a thing, otherwise I wouldn't write it in. That was like a mid '70s sort of like people were talking about right. doing this. Like it was sort of known you can make meat substitute out mm. of mushroom. It was probably at a much more basic level than. Uh, corn, chicken, sausages. It's like right now. when the brigadier eats a bit of that mushroom meat, and he's, he's like, "Well, that's beef, isn't it?" It's like, "No, it's fungus." And he's like, "Really?" And I was like, "No, you're not. <laughs> you're not. No, <laughs> that mine must not be investigated. You know that as well as I do. One death is enough. Will you please get out of my way, Stephen? Yes." Process him. Is that wise? It is necessary. Do as I say. Process. Very well. Who was that? Our boss. Yours and mine. Let's talk about the the villain of the piece. Because I think this one's quite an interesting one. The biggest one. maggot. <laughs> Uh, the computer that's secretly running the chemical. It's funny, a lot of, again, a lot of Third Doctor um, stories uh, center around a company that's doing something and it's a bit evil and it's going to cause a bit of a disaster and they have to come in and a lot of episodes do that. Like I was going to show you Inferno, that was another one I thought, and that is exactly so, uh, the same. anti-capitalist agenda, oh, yeah. Marxist pigs. Mm-hmm. Um, so the comp- the chemical company is being run by a, a a big computer that's hypnotizing everyone, brainwashing Stevens. everyone. Stevens. Yeah. But I don't know, what, like, what did you think of the computer? Because I think even now, for me, I thought it was quite an unusually unusual portrayal of a AI. Well, it is unusual in the sense that it's the only computer I can think of that goes, um... <laughs> uh. <laughs> I did like that, though. And it's so, again, the the thing we were talking about earlier as well, it's so analog. It's all run by big tape reels. and Yeah. Like, it's that um, old sci-fi depiction of computers that, like, uh, um, like when big computers... Big clicky, clacky buttons. Yeah, or, like, the bigger the valves a computer had, the more powerful it was. <laughs> That's all the electricity going in. <laughs> um, and, but it's mostly presented as, like, a big red circular screen with a waveform on it every time he mm. speaks but I think it's uh, Boss is pretty good Boss is really I do like Boss quite a lot how do you feel about the um, the self-destruction order oh my god yeah that so, was a shock yeah I honestly was shocked you, but this is the th- I mean this is the thing that Doctor Who was getting into trouble for a lot in the 70s like later on uh, like um, there was a bit of rumbling, a bit of complaint that sometimes it was a bit too grim. But even I was like, so the computer um, is uh, 
brainwashing its employees and making them do evil things. Uh, but at one point when he's had enough of one of his employees, he gives him a... Well, one of them starts to break free yeah. of the mind control and it's causing a bit of hassle for boss, so... so they've given him a self-destruction order. Which is great in, a, in like, what would a computer tell a thing to do yeah. if you just want to get rid of it? And just gives this man a self-destruction order, and, and he, sure enough, he, he runs outside and throws himself off a Awful. off a stairwell. But the best thing is, and is they, have, they, they have cut, a shot they of the body. <laughs> and do you remember what it cuts to right after the body on the ground? Oh no, what is it? It's a room of everyone laughing. <laughs> the brigadier, <laughs> the doctor, Joe, and the professor just. <laughs> <laughs> but that's that sharp change in tone that's sort of a nice shock edit and um, it's quite affecting when I was on on the time lash once we were talking about uh, robots of death and there was a scene where somebody gets is going to get strangled and it was like it's a bit grim because you're like strangling is like a proper murder and when you put proper murder in Doctor Who you suddenly like ooh we sort of had this joke where it was like um you know, you imagine the doctor turning up, giving it all these quirky chat and everything's like, what's going on here? Someone's dead. What's happened? He's been knifed to death. <laughs> He's been stabbed 47 times. And he'll just go, oh. Incarceration, doctor. <laughs> <laughs> the doctor would just be like, right, I'm going to go and do something else. This La- is a police matter. <laughs> Lacerations from the throat <laughs> all the way down to the toes. <laughs> That's everything, doctor. Yeah. Then they came back for his eyes. <laughs> Death is one thing. It's one thing to have like a glowing green body in a mind. Mm. But a man being told, kill yourself. And then <laughs> running towards the balcony and jumping off. It's like, jeez. <laughs> but I, then I guess the I... comedy comes back when the doctor wears a dress. <laughs> so it's fine. <laughs> So yeah, there's a bit later on where the doctor has to sneak into the chemical place, and he goes in. He goes in dressed up as the milkman first, doesn't he? And, in, the, uh, in the co-op. In the co-op van. He goes in in the Doctor Who milk van. <laughs> That's he, there's also the Doctor Who cherry picker. <laughs> <laughs> All these toys available now. I love when he makes the getaway in the milk what, van. If there was a figure of the third doctor in a co-op milk van, <laughs> I would be all over it. BBC, hello. <laughs> Are you listening? Yeah. But his getaway in the milk van is so extreme that two bottles of milk fall <laughs> off the side of it. And that's, again, that's one of the things that I just love about 70s Doctor Who. It's just like, let's bang him in the milk float and he's going <laughs> to... Brilliant. When you talk about the third doctor having some, like, getting in trouble and mm. being a bit more grim or violent, I would like you to stick in the audio now of his hi. Well, well, well. We don't to play games, don't we? I'm quite spry for my age, actually. Oh, can have a go. Terrific. Hi! 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 Venusian Aikido, gentlemen. I do hope I haven't hurt you. 
I, wasn't I can't just believe I saw was one of his. Started following it through the years, but yeah, no, you're right. When um, I saw him do his karate stuff, I, yeah. So one of the things that the third doctor is known for is his martial arts. Hi. <laughs> and then cutting to a man with a grey wig <laughs> throwing someone <laughs> over his shoulder, a boom mic shield yeah. just <laughs> on top. pulled over his head. <laughs> yeah, that's that. That must have thrown you as well because obviously you're. The Doctor is such a pacifist and that's such a big part of it, but he's not afraid to throw someone about. And it's again, it's that 70s TV fighting that we were talking about in the last episode, how it's kind of, it's not the super swish, fast cutting, it's mm. some folk having a scuffle in a car park. Uh, speaking of slightly ropey fights, mm-hmm. can we talk about the Doctor's magic jacket? Okay. Throughout the entire story mm-hmm. of the Green Death, the big fear is right. There's these maggots. They seem invulnerable mm-hmm. to like bullets, bombings. There's nothing anyone can do about them. Mm-hmm. But the real fear is that they will pupate and become. Insects of some yeah. sort. Nobody knows what these larvae will become. But once they do, they will be unstoppable. <laughs> Surely it And okay. yes. No, right. Surely they mean like if it was hundreds and there was a swarm. So one of them... <laughs> Becomes a sort of mosquito-y fly. Yeah. And it's airborne. Mm-hmm. What are we going to do? Let's just sort of give you one sort of final little climax. Yeah, and then the doctor throws <laughs> his jacket up in the air and catches it. <laughs> and then just punches it in the face. <laughs> like, he just throws his coat. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's funny that it's... The whole way through, it does feel really solid. Yeah. And, uh, like, that constant threat of... I mean, you've got the whole global chemicals and boss Mm -hmm. threat, which is a big taking time on, but also the maggots. It's it's got this great pressure from all sides being ramped up towards the end. And then for the doctor to throw his coat (laughs) over a big bug... That is it, yeah. And then just give it a kick... And it was just one. As I well. It's also it's, it's you can tell they've thrown that in there as well as like we'll just have one last wee bit of danger right at the end, and it's like oh it's not a problem. <laughs> I think, <laughs> and I, when that fly shows up over the side of the ridge and it's that wobbly, <laughs> yeah. Um, again, the thing that I heard was that um, they were they wanted to suspend it from a helicopter because they had use of a helicopter from. There's a lot of helicopters in Third Doctor stories. He had use of a helicopter and we're going to hang it from a helicopter. But actually what happened is it just started twirling around (laughs) uncontrollably. (laughs) We might need a couple of jackets. And it looked terrible. So they had to cram everything in this short little sequence where it's like, oh, it's up in the air. And let's throw a jacket over it and it's done. That's another one of those. The direct We watched the Direct to Be interviews. He's like, I was told it would be good, but it was rubbish. I had a lot of gin. Most <laughs> oh, of the money point. was in gin. Good grief. Doctor. Look out, look out above you. 
Chapel's on loose. What a beautiful creature. Oh, yes, Doctor. Beautiful. I was going to say, was there any... Because I gave you a long... Well, a long-ish one. Six episodes. Six episodes. Um, which is like the equivalent of a... Two three. films. Two, no. You could watch two films. They're only 20. They're like 22, 23 minutes an episode. 25. Sorry, 25 minutes an episode. 25 minutes an episode. Plus, plus, plus. Plus, plus, plus. You got the guts of two films there. Okay. I'm talking about your 90-minute wonders. Right, okay, okay. It was good throughout. I think because there is so much yeah, going on. It was a on. very action-packed episode, wasn't it? They had explosions and mm. I'm pretty sure they had like... Uh, yeah, the, the bit where they're flying over the slag keep dropping explosions and they had sort of petrol put down everywhere so they make the explosions bigger and that well, great way the that 1970s TV the... has no health and safety... Rules so they can just blow things up, and then the model shots as well. Were you got the mine exploding and yeah. global chemicals and like the mountainside <laughs> and this? It's always something. Gav made the good point last episode when I said I feel like I'm cheating by showing you the best episodes. It's like well, you're not going to show me a shit episode, <laughs> <laughs> and there's so much to choose from, presumably. <laughs> Well, yeah, there is. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, how many more friends do you have? I uh, know, I'm going to run it pretty quick. Especially ones that will tolerate going through this process. Exactly. I think this might be the last one. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've got a couple of people lined up. Oh, yeah? yeah. Welcome to the penultimate episode. <laughs> Save me a piece of wedding cake. Right. Oh, I nearly forgot. Your wedding present. It's beautiful. Thank you, Doctor. Hey, Joe, come and drink a toast to the happy couple, huh? But that's us. Hi, so it is. Don't worry, Doctor. I'm not going to Another thing that was interesting, that I find interesting about this episode is... Uh, when when companions leave, they always have sort of. Sometimes it's sad. Sometimes it's fine. And you know we've got Joe. Sometimes it's a relief. So yeah, yeah. And then we've got Joe leaving to marry a man that she's just met. It's pretty sudden. Yeah. At the end. Yeah. Um, yeah. They kind of they do just especially since they actually haven't discussed it at all. No. no. <laughs> and he says, "We not will you marry me, but." We are getting, getting married. married. It's the seventies. Getting my boot. <laughs> <laughs> but there's a there's a definite tinge of jealousy from mm-hmm. the doctor. You there's get a, a sort of suggestion. glimpse of it earlier when they were about to do a little bit of kissing, mm-hmm. and the doctor steps in and it's like, "Fuck this." Yeah, you all right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean. Uh, because it's, it's one of the things, like, in the 1996 TV movie, when he kissed a woman, it was a big thing. And everyone's like, oh, my God, what are they doing? Why, why, you know? And obviously in the, the new ones, he's just kissing everyone. Like, and I, like I even read uh, one of the books recently that kind of talks about the Doctor in love and all that sort of stuff and how it's just something that he doesn't do. <laughs> so it's actually quite unusual to have this, there's something there, but not... They didn't have to say it. They don't have to do it. They just have to have this little... I did like the 
slipping away during a party yeah. feel because the the Doctor Who that exists in my mind, I mm-hmm. suppose, the one that I hope for mm-hmm. when I watch it, when I want to give it that chance, he does to me seem like the character who does the they're having a good time, I'll step away now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that last shot mm-hmm. is really nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even if it does have that fucking Brom <laughs> nonsense going on. <laughs> but it's like, <clears throat> yeah, that was... And that left me with the, that was good. Yeah. So there no, you are. Nice, uh, you did it. <laughs> I said it. I said it at last. You enjoyed an episode of Doctor Who. He is dangerous. He should be eliminated. No. No, he will make an interesting experiment. Total processing comes next. He shall be the first of the new slave elite. See to it. Right away. Yeah, I feel like we covered quite a lot. Is there anything else that you want to mention? John Pertwee Mm -hmm. has a nice smile. (laughs) He does. Not as mad as Tom Baker mm-hmm. like I would find like I think Tom Baker smiling at me would make me on you just like is, is everything alright <laughs> like are you gonna give me a jelly maybe mm-hmm. or are you gonna give me a fucking kick <laughs> uh, but John Pertwee makes me feel like uh, I'm about to get a word as original off this guy he was very nice and um, uh, for the guy who does it, the karate it's so funny he's a, he has a total he has a total no nonsense style about him and, and and like you can see it in like Capaldi's doctors the thing that he the one he gets probably most compared to um, because Capaldi brought back the grumpiness and he was he is really grumpy but he's also um there's a there's an incredible pleasantness to him, but the actor as well. Like through the years, he was just he it was he, he loved the character, and he was you know he was he was even like you know came back for the terrible anniversary special in 1993 on that start, and he appears on Noel's house party as the Doctor. Yes, uh, but I travel through space and time. Oh, I've seen you. Uh, I've seen you in the year 2010. Oh. You're still on television. Am I? <laughs> or am I doing serious programs? You no, know, I said I travel through space and time. I don't visit fantasy island. <laughs> <laughs> You're the doctor. You're absolutely right. I heard it was thick. I thought they were talking about his waist. Did you ever see that? Is that canon? I don't think so. <laughs> it could be. Is it more or less canon than the video guiding? Doctor appearance. The sixth Doctor video character. <laughs> was it? I think Ryan told me that. Uh, how what was it when I asked him if it was canon, and they'd asked someone and it was or something. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan exists in the Doctor Who universe. <laughs> so do you get him on the fucking? So do we, you. Oh my god! I was on video guy. <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> so I'm your first guest who's, who's part, part of the of, Doctor Who universe. Get me on that TARDIS wiki. <laughs> oh, those on the Time Lash boys are going to be raging. <laughs> I'd never even considered. I should have put that into Twitter. Legitimate part of the Doctor Who universe. Um, but you're not on the TARDIS wiki, unfortunately. I'll, I'll write up an entry later, see how long it lasts. Yeah, yeah, no. 
Apparently, was uh, apparently was good. Also, uh, he has quite an interesting past. Apparently, he was a secret agent at one point during the war. The, the man, yeah. Oh. He worked with um, Ian Fleming. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Tell them some stories about banging ladies <laughs> in Russia. <laughs> It's funny, I think there's, there's um, in his first episode, there's a scene where he goes for a shower and you see a tattoo on him because they haven't bothered to cover it up. And I'm pretty sure there's like some, there's some explanation in some extended, or maybe it's just a fan theory that it's like a branding from some prison planet or something. Maybe. I mean, I suppose the doctor couldn't regenerate with a tattoo could he no he couldn't but <laughs> oh, there's all sorts of bizarre scientific implications there it's like how come he doesn't regenerate as a newborn baby I think there's a suggestion that he there's an element of choice but he wants somewhere. to be ginger and he never is well no no you're right it doesn't make any sense does it <laughs> He want, you know why he wants to be ginger? So he can get the fucking question mark morph suit on. <laughs> like Kerry. <laughs> I like the idea. So he can start prancing about. I like the idea that the fifth doctor had seen Batman forever and clocked the question marks and went, oh, here. <laughs> That'd be good. <laughs> Well spotted, Batman. Go to the head of the class. This is the TARDIS. It travels time. That was a successful experiment. Now, let's move on to some feedback from some incredibly funny people on Twitter who are very fond of sarcasm. (laughs) It's hard to know if saying that will just mean you get no responses next time. Or twice as many. Right. So, either way, <laughs> you're damned. Neil Gortz asked, which food mascot would you make a villain and why? And he's given me a picture of this sort of licorice all-sort man from uh, from the Happiness Patrol. I'm not going to explain that to you. I'm just going to show you the picture. I've seen him. It's on the cover that I did. Oh, of course, yeah. And that presumably people can see as they listen. Yeah. I did that. You're all yeah, very sorry, welcome. I completely forgot to mention that Owen did the cover art for the podcast. Yep. And so I've seen the uh, sweetie man, the Bertie Bassett yeah. guy. To answer Neil's question of which food mascot would you make a villain and why, I'm going to say Lloyd Grossman. <laughs> because imagine it. You're at home, mm-hmm. you feel safe, you're in your own dojo. And next thing you know, he's coming through your keyhole. Ooh, that's a good answer. Lloyd Grossman know. coming through your fucking keyhole. That would probably, Lloyd Grossman would probably be, he's the sort of thing you'd expect to see in 80s Doctor Who as well. Proper John Nathan Turner. And he comes decision. up to you with his fingers extending. Who lives in a house <laughs> like this? It's me. <laughs> yes. And he fills you with pasta sauce. Oh. <laughs> Bangs you in a microwave. <laughs> Tears your hand a little bit. So that you can be piping hot. I like the idea of um, Lloyd Grossman being a, a food mascot. 
Have you a food mascot? Um, Uncle Ben? <laughs> Just kicking a fuck out of you. <laughs> oh my god, imagine Uncle Ben. But he's always got that kindly smile on oh while god. he's doing it. God. It's like something out of a nightmare, isn't it? <laughs> yes. Or what's the, the, the pride... What about the sun? Home pride? What about the sun off the sun blessed? <laughs> no. Oh, what was the it? The monkey from PG Tips? That yeah. whole family coming after you? <laughs> the Tetleys fellas. You know all them in their pajamas? Yep. The Tetleys gnomes? Yep. Crawling up your leg? Ricicles? He should meet Rick in space. And Rick's raging. Captain Rick. <laughs> Why is he raging? He's, the, he's a baddie. And the doctor's like, look, you're doing a lot of damage to children's, children's teeth. They dug away my sugar. The EU. <laughs> they kept me down. Brexit now. You know Captain Rick is pro-Brexit. <laughs> like, bring back British sugar cereals. No more regulations. Blue Ninja asks, is this the greatest disguise ever or is there a better one when he links to the doctor dressed as the cleaner? Mm-hmm. Um, How do you feel about the cleaning lady doctor? I think I think it's a very good disguise because I've always thought that uh, there's a lot of old women that look like John Pertwee. <laughs> I think you could start a good Tumblr that is old ladies that look like John Pertwee. Sometimes With the kindly smile. Yeah. <laughs> and the big grey buffon hair. Um, so I think that was a good... That was a very good uh, disguise. Do you prefer the uh, cleaning lady costume I or prefer the milkman? The milkman. The, well, just the milkman character is uh, is great as well. Where's the other bloke? Oh, uh, the poor boy always taken very sick. Uh, something he ate, his mam said. Who are you then? Uh, me. Uh, oh, I'm his da. I mean, they told me I was too old to take over. They did, but I, I've been doing this milk round oh, 53 years. Wet or fine, didn't I? Oh, there's life in the old dog yet. Uh, I, I was only saying to Rosie about the Red Dragon. Oh, big fine strapping girl, she is. Well, I haven't got time to listen to you, Gladwin. Just get on in. Dan Bot B asked, do you think Joe made the right call buggering off? Uh, yes, I do. Um, because then we got Sarah Jane. Dad favourite. Dad favourite Sarah Jane. Um, also, she com- she comes back. She's in an episode of the Sarah Jane Adventures. You would hope so. <laughs> no. <laughs> She's in one episode of that. <laughs> oh, Joe Grant shows up in Joe Sarah Grant. Yeah. Okay. But of course, they, 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 it's, it's quite, well, so I mean, you can tell Is that, the Sarah Jane Adventure, that's for kids, right? Yeah, CBBC. So they put in references to 1972 Doctor Who in the kids. It's as if they knew. Uh-oh. But it was basically like she turns up and then, um, yeah, there's, yeah, it's a funny one actually because they do actually give her a backstory to fill in what's happened between then and now. And she goes off to the Amazon and she has hundreds of kids and all those kids have hundreds of grandwains and grandkids, sorry. And um, and she sort of gets really upset at them for never coming back. And then there's all that sort of stuff. And yeah, yeah, it's not very CBBC that one really. <laughs> But it's funny because they did, drama which is they, they did a wee bit of um, 
bringing people back in Sarah Jane Adventures that are like, we'll not put them in the main show because for whatever reason. So the Polis Box asks, the Doctor gives Joe a metabolis crystal as a parting gift, which is known to give its owner enhanced intellect and heightened mental powers. Is this the Doctor's softly, softly way of telling Joe that she's been a fucking liability for the last three years? (laughs) (laughs) So is Joe Grant sort of consistently... Yeah. Okay. I mean, that's fine if that's like the characters like oh they they kind of mess up but it's just a shame that it didn't seem to be played as this is endearing it was played as oh for fuck's sake (laughs) and it made like if especially if you consider her leaving episode Mm -hmm. you think there'd be like a like a big show of you know instead of because it can feel the ending can feel a bit like the doctor sneaking off like oh Thank fuck. Jim Jam seven Jim Jam seven oh seven asks worst experience with other Doctor Who fans. Do you have how a, honest are you going to get here? Go for it. Just go for it. No, no. I mean you. How honest am I going to get? I think I. You might, know, if you don't have a story, it means you were the I worst was one. Say, <laughs> I think I might be as bad as they come. There's a thing like uh, I've got my own Twitter account for following Doctor Who accounts and talking about Doctor Who, but I've discovered that there's this thing on Doctor Who Twitter, and I guess I realise it's the same with games Twitter that most of the fucking accounts are moaning about what other Doctor Who fans are saying, and it's just like something gets say something gets announced, and then it's like it's just loads of, instead instead of them even themselves talking about how great it is they're just moaning about what other people are saying about it i've had to unfollow quite a few just for that reason because i'm just like look this is worse than games you Twitter. mean when you have a full feed of why is everyone such a moaner yeah basically and you go i don't even know what the what news the- is yet <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah it's, it's always like every time an episode finishes on a saturday night as well it's always like Obviously, that's such whoever you know. I'm not going to name any names, but the the person would jump on a forum and just be like, "Oh, oh, well, I liked it." <laughs> but then instead of engaging with them directly, it would just be like, "Oh, I'm going to go to Twitter and moan about this." Um, I mean, I get it. I do get it because fans of most things are so terrible for that. You've reason. never experienced any Doctor Who conventiony sort of. I've never really trouble. done it. There was one, uh, my girlfriend's from Stockton on Tees, and I think there's a group of heavy, not heavy, but big, not big. <laughs> Just how fat Do- exactly Doctor, are these people you're Doctor Who describe? fans are really, really into it, and they organise events and stuff. We went to, we went to um, this one that was in a little shopping centre, and um, Sylvester McCoy was there giving a bit of a talk. And he was just going full pelt. And it was great and it was brilliant. But I just, I kind of walked in and had a look and went, oh, that's cool. I saw Sylvester McCoy. I'll just leave now. I'm not going to hang about to hear what you're saying. And then the guy that played Sergeant Benton was sitting by the door in a Hawaiian shirt. And nobody was talking to him. And I could have gone over to speak to him, but I didn't. And I just left. (laughs) My, the only thing I have have that's similar to that is I was at a convention and... The English voice actor for Gendo Akari was sitting at the next table alone, having a pint of Guinness. And I was at the table, just like opposite him. Okay. Also alone at a table, also with a pint of Guinness. Gendo Akari is the character from 
Neon Genesis Evangelion, by the way. And uh, I did a nod, a polite like, oh, hello. And he gave one back. And I just uh, just got up and <laughs> went away. <laughs> See, I don't... What, I would I, what would I say to him? I, know, I tend not to do it because I'm just always like, well, it's nice to see you, but I don't want to have this interaction that, that, that you're I mean, prob- at least you knew who that was. I, I couldn't tell you what that guy's name was, but that's my closest to the... All right. It's like the time when Nichelle Nichols was in Forbidden Planet in Edinburgh, and the queue to see her was absolutely tiny, and I was buying a comic, and I, looked, I sort of peeked my head over, and I was like, oh, there's a Hura. Right, I'm, oh, best way away. <laughs> I've got a bus to catch. Um, yeah, so I'm just, I don't tend to put myself in those situations. So no bad Doctor no, Who fans not there. not particularly just people on Twitter, but that's just a general experience for So anyone. you're the worst one. I'm probably the worst one, yeah. I think, I think um, yeah, yeah, probably. It's funny, it's because it's that thing that any time I'm with other Doctor Who lovers and suddenly it all just comes pouring out at me and it won't stop and I talk at 100 miles an hour. and um, But they're doing the same thing and I wonder, what's this experience for other people? Well, none of you are listening to each other. No. It's, <laughs> it's a circle of screaming children. <laughs> yep. Um, okay, so Shenanigans asks... Uh, fuck Mary Kill, destroyed Cassandra, faceless Grandma Connolly, and Dalek with a sexy woman's brain. No, <laughs> I don't know what any of these things are, but the the one that sounds best is Dalek with a sexy woman's brain. Just going from destroyed Cassandra, that doesn't inspire much confidence. Faceless Grandma. Connolly, even less so. I'm going to say Dalek. Um, I bet one of these things is that stretched face. That yes, flat... Cassandra, and then she bursts. Okay. And she's just a frame, but the joke... I'm sure the joke that he's picking up on is that you can get a figure of burst Cassandra, which is just a frame without the face inside it, which is the worst, probably the worst action figure ever made (laughs) (laughs) I think he's shown me that before without (laughs) me asking (laughs) and faceless grandma Connolly is uh, uh, from an episode where TVs were stealing people's faces and it was giving everyone big flat skulls it was very distressing but also a terrible episode so Dalek with a Dalek with a sexy woman brain (laughs) so it is just a Dalek but, but there's, a different... there's a mind that is a sexy woman. I guess so. That's not... So it would still just... Physically speaking, it's just something that's happened that I've missed. No. It's like... Uh, it's the sort of thing they would do on Torchwood. But obviously they don't have the budget for Daleks and Torchwood, probably. So they, <laughs> they don't did, have the budget for sexy women. They did the, the, the cyber woman instead. Did you ever see that? No. It was like a. Look, I mean, <laughs> if you don't, if you're a, not fond of Doctor it Who, a, it's much less likely you're, you're going to watch Tartarod. There was a sexy woman with who was kind of half Cyberman, but she had a exposed midriff. <laughs> of course. Um, and it was terrible. The 21st century is when everything changes, and Torchwood is ready. 
one of the other things that frustrates me about Doctor Who when I try to give it a chance is that the format, the structure mm-hmm. is so perfect for being a free for all for writers to do whatever they want. Mm-hmm. All the shows I love most have at the core a very simple setup, mm-hmm. which is then free for almost anything. Like the X Files is great because you have a very simple thing which is two FBI agents are going to look into a mystery mm-hmm. and one of them is very logic based and one of them is into like will believe any mad concept but that means as a writer you can go like that is so open yeah any kind of monster weird anomaly if you want to if you've ever thought of an alien story mm-hmm. you can spin it like if you ever had an idea for like oh, what would be a good creepy monster or like evil man in a shed mm-hmm. story you can turn that into an X-Files episode and the, each one just feels really like it's a, a sandbox of ideas yeah. that fits into this structure mm-hmm. really nicely Star Trek Next Generation is great for that as well. It's like, we're just adventuring in space. Yeah, yeah. You can come across anything. A robot can show up, aliens, yeah, 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 whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's great. And Doctor Who is the most, like, blank page, do anything you want. Because mm-hmm. you can go anywhere in time. That's, like, any point of history. That's okay. already... A million stories. And then there's anywhere in space as well. (laughs) And you can just go anywhere and do anything. So as a writer, picking up Doctor Who, it's like, if I've ever had any idea about anything, I can make a story about it. And then to see it and to sit down knowing that, like, this week, Doctor Who can do anything. And then it just falls into this sort of pattern of running around (laughs) and you know and relying on like the stuff people want to see maybe a bit too much there might be a a bit too many Cybermen stories now a few too many Daleks and I know Mm -hmm. there's like people expecting these things to happen but I, like, I sometimes get halfway yeah, like, through an episode every time, realizing this could have been anything. And every it's time the, the Daleks same. are in a trailer for that series, which is every single series, someone goes, the Daleks are back! <laughs> <laughs> and they're better than ever? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean... Uh, I, it just yeah. feels like there is such a wide canvas... And obviously, I mean, it's been going I think, for. I was going to say, I think to some extent they do. Years, but I think to some extent they do. Like every, it's you're right. It is you're only limited by your own imagination, and it does fall into a pattern sometimes. It's more like beats. Yeah. Like when I start feeling like, like I'd say, if you picked out even a new Who mm-hmm. and showed it to me, mm-hmm. I would probably say, yeah, it was. That was fun, it was fine, it was enjoyable. But if I'm watching it each week, mm-hmm. or more than one episode in a row, and I start to see that, this, yeah. and then this, and then this, that's what New Who 
really bothers me. Futurama is another great one for here's the concept, like space delivery people. What a fantastic concept. But then it's just, now do anything. Got an idea for a story? It can be practically anything. And that's what I love. Those are the shows I love. Mm -hmm. And Doctor Who should be one of those shows that I love. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess so far, both with you and Gav, it's been genre fans at least. Um, And you're right. No, you're right. God, I shouldn't have said that. But... um, I, I would say I would say in its defense to some extent it does exist because it's like you're talking about a show where you know one episode you'll be in a Russian submarine in the 60s and the next episode you'll be on a planet on the other side of the galaxy and the next episode you're in a haunted house and the next ep- you know and that's just like it it does that sequence quite well and I think the but no I I guess the thing with structures I guess when it comes to things like that it's Things can fall into formulas like that because maybe that's what the writers know. And when it comes to things like TV, when you're trying to pump out 12 episodes a year or whatever, sometimes you you might throw all of your energy into, you know, settings, but then at the same time you have to... You can't be reinventing every mm. every episode. But there is... But I would say that over the last few, last few seasons, even though Stephen Moffat's taken a lot of flack, he has experimented with the structure of the show... Pretty much since he started. One of the reasons I like The Green Death mm-hmm. is that it did feel like you know, that structure wasn't there. Yeah. What would it be longer? But just also having the multiple, mm-hmm. like juggling the issues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that kept me far more engaged. Mm-hmm. There is, there is um, you can look at episodes from particular periods and... It's funny, like, there's episodes towards the end of uh, the second Doctor's run that feel a bit like third Doctor episodes, and that's because they're starting to introduce a new way of doing it. And every so often it's like, while the setting changes from episode to episode, they tend to have a storytelling style, and it changes every so often. And I think it kind of... I would say in in its defence that it has done that a wee bit, but I do... See where you're coming from, though. I, you, it's it's the thing about potential, isn't it? You're seeing wasted potential. But another thing about that is like seeing that how the storytelling changes through the years. Mm-hmm. That's what makes. It's another reason why I think Doctor Who would be great, like for it to just go on forever, because it makes me think of um, James Bond. Now I'm not a James Bond fan. Mm-hmm. I like Goldeneye. Yeah. <laughs> but what what is interesting about James Bond to me is just having this, uh, like what is essentially the exact same film, mm-hmm. but you get to see how different decades tackle that. Right. And yeah. so James no, yeah, Bond yeah. films, the only thing that I like about them mm-hmm. is that you get to go... What was an action film like in 1972 mm-hmm. compared to what was an action film like in 1986? Mm-hmm. And you get to see that. And now, like, what with the more modern Bonds, they are very much, you know... Rude and... Like... Yeah, taste. It's like, it's, you know, even the sort of grim, gritty Bond is very much... Mm. And I imagine it's going to start moving more towards being 
and we, also like the bodies more reflect what yeah. people's yeah. and I think Doctor Who has that and it's like I love seeing like what with the, the fact that there's the coal issue mm-hmm. it's like that's then and this is what science fiction and television entertainment was like then mm-hmm. and I get to directly contrast that with what is television like now because you can see this is the same show doing the same things but today it's interesting you can see that even in the, the run of the new ones from now that it's now over 10 years since it started again mm-hmm. but like if you look, if you go back to the early, like basically Russell T Davis's run it has a very distinct style that sometimes people well yeah the people kind of mistake it for being cheap looking and the reason why I think it's cheap looking is because it's it's not filmic it's video uh, it's vibrant colours it's kind of it's video style almost like it was it's mimicking a sort of, well sorry did it start yeah. pre-digital? no it wasn't pre-digital but it was it was um, they didn't shoot it in HD uh, they shot it standard def it's very video um, but the reason for that was was that it was going on at a time when Saturday night television was all reality TV shows. And they were trying, the BBC were trying to revamp their Saturday night mm. lineup. So they were like, we're going to, so if you're flicking through the channels and you see something that's dark and moody compared to everything else that's colour, you would just skip right past mm. it. But if it's drama, then it's, um, but it's it's got the look of everything else that's on at that time, then you might, you know, you might be more willing to give it a chance. But then later on, obviously, when um, the trends of sort of more cinematic drama starts to come in, mm. Doctor Who changes with it. So there's every chance that in another 10 years... It'll be something It'll be quite different. interesting yeah. to watch these ones now. And maybe, maybe then I'll be interested. <laughs> no. <laughs> like some arsehole... <laughs> He only likes it when it's gone. I, well, that's I mean that's another thing about the Russell T Davis era. As I'm pretty sure I was with everyone else and constantly moaning about decisions that were being made. <laughs> but then I go back and look at it and I'm like, oh, I do miss this <laughs> because it was a big, it was big and daft, and everybody loved it, and there was so much hype, and it was just a good time to be a Doctor Who fan because not even that it was popular. It's just. It felt like a part of everything else that was going on, and it was just, yeah, it felt good. But yeah, no, you're right. Even just watching it from that point to where it is now, you can see it happening. Anyway, so shall we bring it to a close? Yes. Uh, so, Owen, thank you very, very much for tolerating my nonsense um, and watching an episode of Doctor Who for me. It hasn't been easy. But I'm very glad you enjoyed it. I'm glad that you're you're able to sort of relate to me in a wee bit a slightly better way now. I'm not gonna marry you. And <laughs> <laughs> um, if you want to speak to Owen on Twitter, he probably won't want to speak to you. But if you do want to speak to Owen on Twitter, <laughs> I'm not gonna disagree. That's, that's quite true. Uh, you will find him um, at Mecha Gamezilla. Um, if you don't know Owen, you should go and look at his YouTube channel because he does lots of really good stuff. And he also works with us as well on on the Pleasureland YouTube channel. And uh, if you want to find me, uh, my Doctor Who Twitter feed is at Bobby underscore Davros. A joke that even I get. I know. Although I don't really know what Bobby Davros does. I mean, I, I've seen him smash his head off what, the Bobby floor. Davros does. Yeah, but I don't. Apart from being like a crap TV entertainer. 
That's what I was saying. I don't even know if he was crying. I don't think I've ever seen him do anything other than face plant the ground quite quite horribly. <laughs> Check that out. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, if Before any you go and find any of us. if any Doctor Who people send me any questions, I'm just gonna reply with the <laughs> Bobby Davros video. Bobby Davro. Bobby Davro. <laughs> Do you um, think you could do an edit with Davros? Davros's head face planting off the. Oh god! Nobody do anything. <laughs> All the Daleks <laughs> just spinning and panicking around him. <laughs> oh Jesus! <laughs> oh Jesus! Oh Bobby! <laughs> cool. Well, um, yeah. I hope you enjoyed. I hate Doctor Who, and uh, I'll see you later. Bye. Bye. Bye.